Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I wanted to start out today with a quick shout out to Matron Saint, a super chic maternity line that wants to revolutionize the way you dress as you embark on motherhood. Their clothes are simple, stylish, and comfortable. Use the code PYC20 when you check out for 20% off your order. Now I want to ask you, my listeners, for a shout out. Rate and review Yoga Birth Babies on iTunes or Stitcher and follow PYC and Matron Saint on Instagram for your chance to win a $100 gift card from Matron Saint. Email a screenshot of your review and your handle to info at prenatalyogacenter.com. Thanks for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg and I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies and today we're going to talk to Lori McAllister more on the yoga side of Yoga Birth Babies. Let me tell you a little bit about Lori. Lori McAllister is a celebrated international yoga educator in creative sequenceology, a teaching methodology for intelligent vinyasa. She's been featured teacher in New York City's top yoga studios, an adjunct faculty member on several yoga teacher training staffs, and leads workshops, retreats, and trainings all around the globe. She's been featured in Vandy Fair, New York Yoga and Life magazine, Style magazine, and Bazaar magazine. Lori currently lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two beautiful young children. Originally from Maine, Lori earned her BFA in dance from Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. She earned her 200-hour yoga certification from New York Yoga under the direction of David Hollander, Michael Gilbert, and Govinda Kai. She also holds a 500-hour certification in Shiva Ray's Prana Flow from Sonic Yoga and a 75-hour advanced Kula Flow teacher training from Skylar Grant. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Hi, Deb. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thanks. So let's just jump in because I know time is limited and I want our, our community to hear all about you and, and your yoga and your parenthood. So just jump into, tell me a little bit about what brought you to yoga and your path that you've been on since. Okay. Um, I have a background in dance and that's where I 
spent all my time until I was in my early 20s. I got a degree in dance. And I think through just happy accidents, I made friends with people who brought me to yoga classes. And I started to crave a yoga class more than a dance class over time as it went by. And a lot of things happened in between 9-11 being a big one for me. I was living in New York City and yoga became my sanctuary, my, my solace, my way to find resonance within myself. Um, and I would go to practice all the time and to the point where I thought, you know, maybe this is something I could do for a living (laughs) and, um, I can't dance forever. And it just so happened that I, I'd been wanting to get certified for years, um, but I didn't have the money because I was paying back college and this happy accident happened to me where I fell on ice, um, in my mother's driveway when I went home for Christmas in 2003 and I had a broken ankle and I had to turn down some work dancing that spring and the, um, lost wages reward I got. I I like to refer to it as that. I got some kind of prize money for breaking my ankle um, from the insurance company Um, was the exact same amount it cost to get certified to teach yoga. So I thought this is a sign. I'm not going to spend it on college loan debt. I'm going to put it towards getting certified to teach yoga because it's the exact same amount. And it was the best decision I ever made. You and I have a really similar background. In fact, I think we were probably in Boston around the same time. I went to Boston Conservatory, and I saw that you went to Emerson. And it's interesting. I love talking to other dancers and performers. Many of us have the same path that there becomes hmm, yoga or dance class, and dance class feels like a task, and the yoga feels like a, a treat. So I, I love hearing that from other people. Well, thank you for sharing that. So can you describe your typical yoga practice that you participate in now and what you like to teach? Um, that's changed over the years, <laughs> especially lately, because um, well, one, one of the things that I like about um vinyasa is that it changes to fit the needs of the yogi as opposed to a set series like ashtanga where it's the same practice every day Um, i see the benefits in both but for me my body is changing daily and so i try to suit what my needs are each time i make my way and it's not even my mat because i feel like a long time ago i divorced my mat um, I take my practice everywhere. So I'll be brushing my son's teeth and I'll be doing standing ankle to knee at the sink because I can't get on the floor to do pigeon at the moment, but I really want to do pigeon. <laughs> and so I just work it in because I don't have time to go and take class and sit down and have a practice every day. Like I wish I could. Um, so I fit it in when I can. Um, when I, do take class. I have been seeking out more senior teachers in my community to practice with because I'm continually learning. I feel like I'm always a student. I do learn a lot from the more, um, I should say freshman teachers, but, um, sometimes I'm learning more about what doesn't resonate with me than what, (laughs) than what does. So I know you have two kids. How old are they? 
One just had a birthday. She turned one um, last week, and the other one is three and a half. Those are those are tough ages. <laughs> so, what was your practice like when you were pregnant with your first child? For my first, um, I wanted at first to just take the advice of my mentors, and so I spoke to his name is Yogi Charu, and he teaches Hatha Yoga at Pure. Um, he was the first teacher, actually, I told that I was pregnant, and he said to avoid inversions. Um, that was a breath of fresh air for me because I'm an inversion junkie, but something about it didn't sit well with me that it felt wrong to be going upside down. Um, and then I was at Wanderlust practicing with Anna Forrest, and she explained to me how to breathe differently. I think also because of being a dancer, I've always tried to hold my center, and that was um, a different type of breathing more where I'm using my abdominal muscles to lift in and up when she taught me how to let my belly go and expand. She said, don't crush your baby, let your belly <laughs> get bigger. And that was a whole new world for me. Um, over time, um, I, I was still trying to take more intermediate advanced classes, but, um, I found that I wasn't able to do half of the class. And so I was like, why am I even showing up? <laughs> and then in my first pregnancy, my water broke at 23 weeks. So I was hospitalized for the last nine weeks of it. And then that radically changed everything because I was in a bed in a hospital and my practice became more of a morning meditation. And I was implementing some Kriyas that I learned from, um, golden bridge and, uh, yeah, so it just became this, this yoga teacher who had a very, very, very busy lifestyle of teaching five times a day sometimes, sometimes seven days a week, um, to nothing, to just sitting still and making a transition for my little man into this world, be peaceful and calm. 23 weeks is amazingly early, so it's wonderful that he is so healthy now. Um, what was that like since you were so active teaching and your practice, I'm sure was quite uh, strong to not just know, like, Oh, I really shouldn't do this, but be like, you just couldn't do the practice you had. Like it wasn't a choice that you could make. It was a definitive. This cannot happen. What was that like for you? Well, I had to grieve <laughs> for a little while. A lot of things. I had to grieve my birth plan because I wanted something really natural. And I was being told, look, you could have your son at any moment and likely it's going to be a cesarean because he's breech. Um, so there were there was a lot of grieving that had to happen. But I had to make peace with what ended up feeling like a selfish desire to want to have my birth my way instead of giving all of that up as Seva to um, do what's right for him and do what's right to make his transition into the world safe and make sure he comes out healthy. It's like, okay, throw away plan A and go with plan B, have a healthy baby. Mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, I think there's a, I think you're right about that. There is definitely a grieving when, and I see moms that go full term that 
had a vision of their birth and it didn't go that way. And I think it's important to grieve that because if you had envisioned something and it doesn't come to fruition, just invalidating your feelings is not going to make them go away. So I'm glad that you, you took that. And I think it's important for listeners to hear that things rarely turn out. I always say, have your plan, birth plan, A, B, C, D, as many as you, as you need. What was your body like after? Because there must've been a fair amount of atrophying of your muscles, you know, if you've been in bed that long. Yes. I, it felt like physical therapy, just learning to walk again. Um, so for the first week out of the hospital, I actually didn't leave the house. Um, my son was in the NICU for 15 days and I came down with a virus and because my body was, you know, no, um, no longer chimeric. It was no longer sharing blood with another being. It was, um, and then very vulnerable. So I, developed a virus and I wasn't allowed into the NICU for seven days, which was again, like a huge blow and felt like my heart being ripped out of me because I just gave birth to my son and I couldn't go see him. Um, but it was also good for me in my rehab for being on bed rest for so long because I was able to take care of me. I was able to just stay home and focus on walking from the bedroom to the living room which took a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how far did you get before he was born? You, your water broke at 23 weeks. He was, um, I was in the hospital exactly nine weeks. He was born 32 and five. Um, my water broke at 23 and five. He was born four pounds, one ounce. He stayed in the NICU 15 days and came home on Christmas day. So I do feel like there was that moment in the hospital when I was, talking to him before he was born saying, don't you want to come home for Christmas? Maybe we don't want to stay in here until January. Maybe we want to get out of here. And sure enough, like I started having contractions, um, and everything timing wise worked out for him to come home on Christmas morning. That's wonderful. So your experience, and this is so great that as an advanced practitioner, we often think of, it's just about the exploration of asana, but it sounds like your practice was most used in the surrender and to really see what was in front of you, that it wasn't about what you could perform on the mat. It was about how you were going to use your practice to get through this really challenging time. I talked to my students about that, especially those that have cesareans that think, oh, why should I do prenatal yoga? I know I'm going to have a cesarean because it's more than just asana. So you certainly demonstrated that. Um, so for those that are advanced practitioners, and this is something, this is one of my things on a soapbox, how would you, what advice would you give to them to surrender their practice and embrace pregnancy? Because I know that could be really hard. It's, well, I don't want to prescribe anything because if it makes them feel good, I've seen yoga practitioners, yoga teachers, nine months pregnant doing inversions and, and having perfectly healthy babies. Um, my experience doesn't mean that's going to happen to anyone else. Oh, definitely not. But I, I, there are poses that would not necessarily be, uh, beneficial and that keep getting done because it's like, it's my practice, it's my practice, but we're looking at more of the contraindicated. So definitely not a prescription, but just those that are struggling with like, I really want to keep doing this, but I know it's not right, but it feels so good. So what, what would, any well, thoughts I think on that? Matter, um, 
questioning what is this serving? Is it serving the benefit of the child or is it serving my ego? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's basically what it boils down to, to me is, am I attached to this idea, this vision of what I have for what my practice needs to be? Who am I proving this to myself and why? Um, because I have the rest of my life to come back to my practice. And it's true. I've had two babies now. There was a time of recovery where the handstand didn't come back right away. The wheel didn't come back right away, but you just keep working at it and it comes back. Um, you know, and, and the weight gain too. I mean, it takes nine months to gain it, nine months to lose it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about pregnancy number two. How did that feel? Because I'm guessing there's probably some apprehension of like, is this, because I had a friend had her not quite as early as 23, 27 weeks, her water broke. And there was a lot of fear around 27 weeks. Like, is this going to happen again? So tell me a little bit about your second one. Sure. Um, She was planned. Well, both of them were planned in our, um, in our family, but, um, the plan with her is that I received progesterone shots weekly to prevent uh, preterm labor. And on my end, I promised my family that I wouldn't travel because um, my water did break after a flight back from Spain. We'd been on the plane for 13 hours. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I got that wrong. We were on the plane for eight hours, but 13, afters, 13 hours after we returned home, the water broke. So we always wonder did it have something to do with that overseas flight? Um, there's no way to know, mm-hmm. but, um, to be on the safe side, I didn't travel. I also really took it easy. I was still practicing all the way up until 34 weeks, but it was very minimal. And I was teaching up until that time. Um, I had a planned cesarean at 39 weeks. So I spent those last few weeks just nesting. Um, and, for me, it was also opposite seasons. I had my son in winter and my daughter in July. So, um, the, the humidity, um, and you know, and there was this point when I got past 23 weeks where I felt like a victory. And there was a time when I got past 32 weeks and five days that felt like a victory, um, little milestones in the pregnancy. Um, but it was a whole new experience for me to be a pedestrian on the street walking that pregnant and also in summertime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your ankles are probably never seen quite the same. (laughs) A lot of cankle situation going on. (laughs) So that, that's really interesting. What was the, so now that you were, you got to that point, what did it feel like, um, emotionally was just, as you said, it was victory. Did it just feel like you want to flaunt like, this is my big pregnant belly. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that's... I, mean, I embrace, I, I, I gotta admit though, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I hate being pregnant. <laughs> it's okay. It really wreaks havoc on my joints and, um, it hurts to it really hurt me to walk. I actually just last week got varicose veins treated because, um, they were very painful for me. And so now in the middle of summer, I have to wear a compression sock for two weeks, um, as it heals. Um, I think it's great because I like people to hear that 
they're pregnant women. A lot of women feel badly. They're like, oh, I don't like being pregnant. I want the baby, but I don't like being pregnant. Yet there's this image and maybe even society pressure to embrace every moment of pregnancy and just rub your belly and you know, sing to the mother goddess. So I think it's important to hear people say, I didn't really like it. I love the baby, but I didn't really like it. I mean, literally the first words out of my mouth after my daughter was born is, thank God you're out. I'm never doing this again. And I... <laughs> I love birth. I mean, I don't love giving birth, but I love birth and pregnancy and supporting women. But, you know, <laughs> most people don't sign up for it too many times. So yeah, thank I, you for sharing that. I was so happy to have it over with. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your practice affected your parenting? Because I think uh, the parenting part is actually, in my mind, the harder part than the pregnancy and birth because the parenting goes on a lot longer. Yes. Um <laughs> It's my saving grace (laughs) without having these tools to rely on. I don't know what I would do. I have a toddler who is very troublesome. I mean, he just, he's independent. He's very clever. Um, and he's defiant and he just, he doesn't want to eat. And that's our biggest struggle. He's very, very picky and, Um, and so uh, having my pranayama practice, having, um, (laughs) tools in my back pocket to pull from, um, I mean, this is my yoga practice. It's, it's not just staying focused to transition gracefully from one pose to the other. It's learning how to have the tools to transition gracefully from one moment to the other. And and I don't always do it right. And <laughs> because a, you're human, <laughs> it's, you're not a picture in a yoga book. You're human. So we will, as parents, we will have the tools, but yet still stumble. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little about your teaching schedule now and how you're maintaining a balance between teaching and your role as a mother. Well, I'm in a, very blessed position where, um, I can be, I can balance both somehow where I am teaching four classes a week, um, and parenting full time. Um, this summer, because we moved, I brought my mom out here to help childcare, um, so that I'm not needing a nanny at the moment, but that's not going to last too much longer. I'm going to need to hire somebody again. But um, I know a lot of moms don't have that luxury. They have to go straight back to work. And, um, and uh, you know, you have to do what you have to do for your family or whatever makes you happy. For me, what made me happy is knowing that I had um, this, you can call it a career, career that I'm in love with um, because I love to share the offering of, t- of yoga. And luckily there are studio owners who think that uh, I do a pretty good job at (laughs) 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 giving an opportunity to geek out on the philosophy and the asana and the sequencing and, and trying to help people. And um, my teaching has changed so much over the last few years, especially having kids Um, and also just the demographic of who I'm teaching at the moment, because it used to be that 
I would teach, well, I, I lived in New York city for so many years. Um, I was, I think I was teaching in New York for 11 or 12 years before I moved to Philadelphia. And then I taught in Philadelphia for one year. Then I had my daughter and now I'm out in the suburbs of Philly. And, um, and it depends on the time slot, it depends on the studio, who shows up. But it used to be that I was teaching mostly 20-year-olds and like very athletic, young 30-year-olds, maybe someone who's super athletic in their 40s. But it was usually younger people who were just very athletic. And nowadays, I'm teaching a wide variety of people, but more often than not, it's above 40. And so a lot less chaturangas and more about... Um, making sure that people aren't shredding their shoulders or, or tearing their labrums or, um, so I'm geeking out a lot more on anatomy and therapeutics. Yeah. It's so important. I see in studios all the time. I'm like, I call it like save the chaturanga. I see so many shoulders falling and bad things happening and it makes me scared for what the body can do. Cause I know my body in my twenties, I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that was, stupid, um, ego driven. And luckily I was flexible and I recognize what I can do now. And so I think you and I, again, are kind of on that same plane of intelligent. I love that you call it intelligent sequencing. I think I got that from Shiva. We both study with Shiva. It's that intelligent reason to do poses and how to do them. So it thrills me to see that that's what you're teaching and that's what you created and that your focus has changed. So tell me a little, you mentioned that your teaching has changed from being a parent is it more the demographic or is it more the stepping back and saying like, why am I doing this? How am I doing this? Yeah, I think there's an element of that too. There's um, a bigger picture at hand. You know, how do I serve the community through what I'm doing here on the mat? And I think that factors into the, the Dharma talks that I'm offering and trying to um, send those messages out into the world and then how to translate that onto the mat with asana. Um, so I think more grounding, um, less flying. <laughs> One thing a parent, I, at least for me, being a parent has humbled me. So <laughs> I'm sure that's coming through with you too. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Well, how have your goals and focuses changed now that you're a parent and especially a parent of young kids? You know, it's, it's very hands-on still for you. I mean, I think every parent struggles with the idea of how to provide long-term security for their family and how do I continue to do what I have been doing, but in a way that provides stability for my family and stability for myself. Is this something that I'm enjoying doing and that's why I'm doing it? Um, or am I only doing X, Y, and Z to um, put food on the table? and pay for the diapers. Um, so I'm becoming more choosy about what I do, where I do it. Um, you know, and instead of just taking any yoga opportunity that comes my way, um, I, I want to really have integrity and teach where I feel most at home and where I think I can be the most truthful conduit of these ancient teachings. That's beautiful. So what are you up to now? Are you, I know that you've done a lot of workshops and retreats and trainings. Tell me a little bit about what you're up to now. 
Um, well, it's still in a way survival mode for me, <laughs> um, getting through day by day. Um, and I feel like it's going to continue to be that way until I get my daughter into preschool. Um, and then once I have a little more time on my hands, I can start actively planning more retreats and more teacher trainings. Um, right now I, with two kids, it's such, it's so much work. (laughs) Um, but I do occasionally have uh, workshops that I'm offering, um, more often than not, it's because they're coming, the studio owners are coming to me and I'm, um, and I'm happy to oblige, but it's been taking a bit of a backseat as far as the planning stage on my end. If someone comes to me and says, I'd really like you to do this workshop. I'll be like, Great. Thank you for asking because I've just been so busy changing diapers. I haven't even thought about putting one together and now I have a reason to. I, I think you're absolutely you're seeing the light. My uh, my daughter just started preschool last year. She's three and a half, and my son just turned six. Probably similar birthday to your daughter. He's a July, and my daughter's in uh, February. And when they both were in school, he was just in kindergarten. It was like a veil had lifted, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is human life again. <laughs> so yeah, you'll get there soon. Yes. I mean, sure, I've seen other people make it work, um, but I find that they tend to have a little more help, either from family or a nanny, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm, I don't know, I, I love the idea of raising my own kids, so <laughs> I'm taking a little bit of pause in um, some of the more active planning elements of what I've done in the past, the retreats and the teacher trainings, to be that really active guide for my daughter right now. I mean, yeah, my son too, but he's, he's been in preschool for, um, over a year now. He's Mm -hmm. in summer camp right now, actually. And he starts another preschool in the fall. So it is mostly just, um, thinking about my daughter Mm -hmm. right now, giving her the same attention and energy that I gave him when he was her age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That balance of the second child, uh, do they get as much attention? Is there anything, I know you have to run, pick your son up soon. Is there any last minute things you either want to say to practitioners or teachers, new teachers, um, women that are pregnant that are teachers and they'll be facing that transition? Any last minute thing? Um, well, just search inside your heart and find out what really makes you happy. If it makes you happier to take a break and be at home with your child, then see if you can make it work um, with your family and what your means are. Um, If it makes you happier to not do that and step away, um, don't be embarrassed or ashamed or feel guilty about that because it's, I think the best article I read said that it's not about the quantity of time that you spend parenting with your child. It's the quality of the time. So if you're with them all day long, but cranky, they're going to remember that in the long run. But if you're spending just two hours with them a day and you're so happy to be with them, they're going to remember that. So. Oh, thank you. All right. Let's see. We have a minute or so before I have to run to get your son. So I just want to say thank you for your time and your wisdom. And I hope those that are in the area can seek you out and study with you. I really 
appreciate your mindfulness in your practice and what you teach. I think that's so important for the yoga community. Um, and just again, enjoy your, your new home and your wonderful children. All right. Well, so enjoy your morning. All right. Be well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.